Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London, I'm Josh Noble. The collapse of a dam owned by Brazilian company Vale ranks among the worst mining disasters in decades, with more than 300 people feared dead. Andres Chipani reports on the aftermath in Brazil, and Katie Martin talks to Neil Hume, our natural resources editor, about the wider repercussions of the disaster. Andres Chipani spent several days in Bromadinho, the site of the disaster, early this week. He described what happened. On Friday at lunchtime, a tailings dam, that is a dam that was holding waste from an iron ore mine, collapsed, sending down millions and millions of tons of mud and waste into the mine's administrative facilities. And it hit the refectory where employees and contractors were having lunch and also some nearby communities. There are almost 300 people still unaccounted for. And when I landed there on Saturday, the search was fully underway with dozens of helicopters and hundreds of firefighters. But the search was hampered by heavy rains, then deep mud, and because a second dam was at risk of breaching. So the company and the state authorities set up a relief center at a sports complex right outside the town. And you should have seen the anger and the pain and, and the anxiety of those families still waiting to hear news about their loved ones. That was a relative of one of the victims of the disaster expressing her fury at Vale's decision to locate an administrative centre below the dam and who was absolutely scathing about what she saw as the inadequate response of officials and politicians. People's anger was compounded by the fact that this is the second deadly accident involving Vale. In 2015, another dam failed and killed 19 people in a town not far from last week's accident. The chief executive of Vale, his name is Fabio Schwarzman, said on Sunday in Brumaginho that there's only one solution to prevent further accidents, and I quote, we have to go beyond any standard national or international. We're going to create a security cushion that is far superior to what we have today. But honestly, to many, it's too late for that. And in Brumadinho, people are calling Vale a murderer. Brazil's authorities are under pressure to act against Vale and have already started to threaten criminal charges, as Andres explains. Brazil's prosecutor general said on Monday that Vale needed to be severely punished when it came to paying compensation to victims and also said executives could face criminal charges. A day later, authorities arrested employees and engineers who were allegedly involved in the dam burst. There have been some scattered protests already calling for the renationalization of Vale, which won't happen. But Vale is also facing fines, class action lawsuits in the US. Courts in Brazil have already blocked almost, I think, $3 billion of its assets to pay for the damage. It has been either downgraded or placed under review by credit rating agencies. And on Monday, its shares listed here in Brazil had the worst day for more than a decade. So it's not looking good. So, Neil, you've been covering Vale's desperate attempts to limit the damage. What exactly have they done so far? And do you think it'll be enough to save the company? Well, will the company survive? Probably, I imagine. Over the last couple of years, under Chief Executive Fabio Schwarzman, the company's taken great strides to reduce its debt, cut its costs, improve its balance sheet. It's done that. So I think it is in a position where it can survive. I mean, the hit's going to be big, obviously. Vale also announced overnight on Wednesday plans to cut 40 million tonnes. It's around about 10% of its production. And that's from mines that have got dams similar to the one that broke last week and similar to the one that broke in 2015 as well. So they're going to come offline while they decommission the dams there. That 
is going to take possibly three years, going to cost about a billion, 1.3 billion. So these are the sort of measures it's been taking, but we don't really know what the environmental regulators are going to say state prosecutors are going to do. We've got to wait for that at the moment. So perhaps there'll be a wider audit of their minds across the portfolio. We just don't know yet. How important is the company to Brazil? To Brazil, I mean, it's probably its biggest, or certainly was before its share price fall, biggest publicly listed company. And it really is one of their few genuine global businesses. I mean, it's a colossus in the iron ore market, sort of a Saudi Aramco, really, of iron ore. Controls about 26% of the global market, produces 400 million tonnes of iron ore a year. The price of that's 85 at the moment. So that gives you an idea of the sort of revenue that this company brings in. And its margins are pretty high as well. It's a big taxpayer pretty big employer. And just given it's important to the Brazilian economy, I can't believe the new government of Bolsonaro would really want to push this company to the brink. Brazil seems to have a problem with mining that goes beyond one company. Safety checks on its dams seem to have been inadequate, as Andres explains. Last year, a congressional commission concluded that only 3% of Brazil's 24,000 plus dams were checked every year. And more than 3,500 are regarded as being at risk and over 700 of those present at high risk of potential damage. I mean, not all of them are mining dams, but still. The government said this week that they will start checking those at risk and tighten controls. So how will the disaster affect government policy in Brazil? Well, it will surely bring more scrutiny into any push by Brazil's new president, Jair Bolsonaro, to open up new areas for mining, especially in or around protected areas. But also any attempt to cut red tape, streamline procedures, privatise public companies and so on, it will definitely be a test of leadership for his government, which was inaugurated this month, vowing to reduce bureaucracy and let businesses take advantage of Brazil's faster natural resources. Neil, what's the likely impact of this disaster on the wider industry and on the commodities markets? Or is this just a Vale issue? Is this effectively treated as a one-off? No, I don't think it will be treated as a one-off. There are lots of these tailings dams which the industry uses to store water all across the world. Some of the older designs, like the Vale one from the 60s and 70s, they used what we would today probably call an unsafe method. So will the rest of the industry have to scrap these dams and build new ones? If they do, what's the cost of that? What's the impact on production? And this really goes across every commodity. These tailings dams are used across copper, gold, nickel, zinc, every commodity you can think of. So there could be a really big impact if regulators in various parts of the world decide, right, no more of these particular type of dams, or perhaps you have to have even stronger dams. I mean, one of the things that people might find interesting is all of these tailings dams or ponds, they're not constructed from concrete, they use earth-filled embankments, which you would kind of think, given the one that broke in Brazil last week was 86 metres high, might be quite a dangerous thing to use. But anyway, that seems to be the industry norm. So everyone's looking at it. Hmm. How is it that such things are still possible in the 21st century? Is investor scrutiny inadequate and isn't it time for international mining standards? Well, we have got an international mining standard on this. There's an organisation called the International Council on Metals and Mining. Uh, Vale's a member. All of the big mining companies are a member. After the Samarco disaster in 2015, they put out a new position statement that had six points in it that the industry was supposed to adhere to. It appears something's gone wrong. I don't know whether that particular position statement was strong enough or not. But with the Vale dam collapse at the moment, and the company they used to inspect the dam was in Germany, it's not really used by other people in the industry to inspect dams. So we still have a lot of questions there. But it does feel that the industry perhaps doesn't have strong enough guidelines 
in place. That said, overall, the mining industry, I mean, in terms of the number of deaths we've seen in the mining industry over the last decade, they have fallen quite rapidly, yet... It does seem to be, as things improve actually in the mine, that these tailing dams are becoming a bigger and bigger issue. Do you feel like investors are asking the right questions? Yes, I think investors are asking the right questions. ESG is obviously a pretty big movement at the moment. So, I mean, I think investors are pretty switched on to the risks, particularly mining, of an environmental disaster such as this one, which also has a lot of loss of life as well. I mean, we saw, you know, the market cap, the company for 19 billion on Monday. That was about 25%. So, um, yeah, I think investors are wary of this. And I wonder whether it makes actually the wider resources sector a no-go zone for funds that do have a very strong ESG mandate because you can't be sure you're going to wake up one morning. Ethical and social kind yeah, of... Governance, yeah, governance, yeah. And you, you can't be sure you're going to wake up one morning and one of these dams... I don't know if it's in an earthquake zone has gone down again. So it's, I mean, it is difficult and the industry has been trying to burnish its reputation, sort of try and make itself a more responsible citizen, talking about sustainable production. But events like this are just a hammer blow to its reputation and really sets things back. That was Andreas Schipani reporting from Brazil and Katie Martin talking to Neil Hume in the studio. We'll be back with another news feature next week. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com forward slash offer. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.